I've got a picture here. You may have seen this picture before. Can we put that up on the screen? There we go. I don't know if you've seen this before or have heard of the story of, of, of this. You may have done, you may not. But these are our two great friends. And um, one of them, he carried his friend to school who suffered from muscular dystrophy. And for, I don't know how many years, but every day, not missing a class, he carried his friend to school on his back. And I don't know about you, but I look at pictures like that, like Marcus said with baptism, a picture is a thousand words. And for me, that speaks of, of true, deep, loving, committed friendship. And there's something about friendship, isn't there, that we look at that, that, that warms our hearts, that we desire, we long for. I mean, who wouldn't want a friend like that? Anyone? No, hopefully all of us would want friends like that. And I hope have friends like that. But I realize it's not always I'm going to be talking about friendship today, and I realize that friendship isn't always straightforward or easy, and sometimes it's, it's not like that. And so we're going to touch on a little bit of that as well. But I want to focus on faithful friends, what they look like, and why we need them. And again, I was reflecting on it this week. I've had the real joy of this week of probably meeting with around, I don't know, 30-plus people, um, some in Lowestoft, some here, just walking, talking, being with people uh, in various meetings. And, and I can look around this room as well, and there are dear, dear, dear friends in this room that we've walked together over, over decades now. And there's something quite special and beautiful about that that God calls us to in the life of local church. That we must never, ever become, and we're not, but a bunch of kind of individuals or individual families that rock up on a Sunday and then go and rock up on another Sunday and go away, but not, there's, no, there's no substance in between. And thankfully, it's not like that here. There are deep friendships being built throughout the week, throughout every day, doing life together. In the LNR life group is for friendship. and friendship, Life group, learning, integration, friendship, and everyone a witness. And it's right at the heart of what we do. I'm, I, I was gutted last week not being here. We said goodbye to Dave and Kath. Did they go? Have they... They're not quite gone yet. <laughs> Pray for their house. This has been going on a while now, those that know. Um, but, you know, they are dear friends. That, that we, I remember when I first started working for Kings and, um, in, in, in this building, and um, when it, was a, it didn't look like this, and um, Dave Lees and Kath, right at the heart of things there, just dear friends on the journey with us. Um, and loads of other people as well. I just, you know, and, and we're not going to be able to stay for Sunday, Sunday. That's a great opportunity after this, opportunity to eet together. And great opportunity to do that. But Gene and I have got to go back down to Lowestoft. Um, we're having lunch with the leaders down there. So we're not going to be able to stay for that. But I just want to say that it's just a beautiful thing when there are, are deep friendships over decades. And what I'm going to say today really is just, you know, if you've been around Kings for a while, you'll know this. You'll be, you'll be doing this. I know that. So it'll be a reminder but we need to be reminded of these things sometimes and just to lean into them again and think, okay, well, how do I keep leaning into this? And uh, I don't think this is overstating it either, but the substance and the health of a local church will be determined by the substance and the health of our friendships with God and with one another. Maybe overstating it a little bit, but I'm pretty sure Jesus said our love for one another would be one of the defining hallmarks 
and friends love one another. That's what we do. And I think this is so important to the health of local church. And I'm ending the series on Colossians, and um, we've been working our way through this book that Paul wrote. And, and he wrote this. He didn't write it from a nice office with a load of nice theological books kind of thing. You know, a, t- a central office to the churches. No, he wrote it from a prison floor. Or maybe at a table, I don't know. But anyway, he wrote, didn't write it from a convenient place. These are real people writing in real places. And we're going to read 11 names. And I probably won't read them all right, but I always figure with Greek names and other names, if you read them quick enough and sound confident, you get away with it. So that's what I'm going to do. But any Greek scholars among us, I, I may have got the pronunciation wrong on some of them. And twice as we're going to read this passage out in a moment, it says it talks about these faithful and beloved friends. Faithful and beloved friends. And so look out for these names, 11 names, faithful and beloved friends. If you've got a Bible, open up to Colossians chapter 4. We're going to read from verse 7. And um, if I'm doing this, by the way, it's because I've got reading glasses on order. <laughs> and uh, that's why I'm, I need them now. So um, I was quite looking forward to having them today, actually, because I kind of envy Mark because he takes them off and makes the point with them. But I can't do that this morning. So if you've got a Bible, read through. It's so important we open our Bibles up together, isn't it, when we gather? Read it through and follow it through. Maybe on your phone, I realise you might do it like that, but it's just good to do that. So it says this, Colossians chapter 4, verse 7. As to all my affairs, Paul writes, I can't even pronounce the first one, I failed at the first hurdle. Tychicus, our beloved brother and faithful servant and fellow bondservant in the Lord, he'll bring you information. For I've sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know about our circumstances that he may encourage your hearts. And with him, Onesimus, our faithful and beloved brother, who is one of your number, they will inform you about the whole situation here. Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, sends you greetings, and also Barnabas's cousin Mark, about whom you received instructions. If he comes to you, welcome him. And also Jesus, who is called Justice. These are the only fellow workers for the kingdom of God who are from the circumcision. That's talking about their Jews. And they have proved to be an encouragement to me. Epaphras, who is one of your number, a slave of Jesus Christ, sends you his greetings, always laboring earnestly for you in his prayers, that you may stand perfect and fully assured in all the will of God. For I testify for him that he has a deep concern for you and for those who are in Laodicea and Hierapolis. Luke, I can pronounce that one, the beloved physician, or doctor, sends you his greetings. And also Demas, greet the brethren who are also in Laodicea and also Nympha and the church that is in her house. And when this letter is read among you, have it read in the church of the Laodiceans also. Um, For your part, read my letter that is coming from Laodicea and say to Archippus, take heed to the ministry which you've received in the Lord that you may complete it or fulfill it. I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. Remember my imprisonment. Grace be to you. Okay, so I've got six things I'm going to go through sort of, I'm not going to spend too long on each at all, and, um, and I'm going to kind of maybe give a few little signposts in some of them for some sort of extra things you might want to, scriptures or maybe a book or something like that, or something you might want to do in light of it. So follow these things through, six things here of these people, and it's made up of a mix of Jews, of Gentiles, of a wealthy homeowner. I mean, Nympha is mentioned there, the house, the church that took place in her home. It was likely a big house, um, and so maybe there's money there. These are people who are a slave and a doctor. These are a real mix of people, and, um, 
And there's a lot we can draw out from here about what friendship really looks like as Christian friendship. So number one is faithful friends, first of all, point us to Jesus. When I sort of read this and thought about this, I thought, okay, when, when, when was I first pointed to Jesus? And it was living at 356 Deerham Road. I'd had conversation with Christians up to that point, but didn't grow up a Christian at all, um, didn't believe any of it, thought it was, well, yeah, just didn't believe any of it at all, thought it was rubbish and not worth paying attention to, really. But then I lived, was living with Jean, who's my girlfriend at the time, and a dear friend called Tim, and, um, and this is my first Bible that I was given, as they pointed me to Jesus. I had loads of questions, Steve, I totally relate, mate. I had tons of questions before becoming a Christian. Still had loads the past 25 years. It's fine to keep asking. But, you know, it was key for me to sort of grapple with some things. And I remember reading the Bible for the first time. But I'm grateful for those friends that took that time. And, and, and it says here in um, Colossians chapter 1, it goes back and talks about this Epaphras. He's mentioned, we just read about him. But in Colossians chapter 1, 5 to 7, Paul talks about uh, Epaphras and says, The gospel that is constantly bearing fruit and increasing, even as it's been doing in you, also since the day you heard of it and understood it or learned about the grace of God in truth, just as you learned it from Epaphras. There he is. Epaphras is the one that pointed them to Jesus. They learned about the grace of God, and I'm not, you've been hearing that all morning. In the songs, in the words that have been spoken, in the stories that have come from those being baptized, this gospel of grace, this gospel of reconciliation that brings people back together, brings us back together with God. And it's a beautiful story that we learn it. It's great also when someone illustrates your point. Steve talked about learning it from John and the Alpha Course and what they did up there. I learned it from there. I heard it from there. And all of us who are Christ followers, will likely be able to point to people, well, that's where I learned about Jesus for the first time. And it's a provocation, well, to give thanks for those people, but also to think, well, who am I pointing to Jesus as well? How am I pointing to Jesus in my life? Or if you're, not, if you're here and you're not a Christian and you've got questions, please ask them. You know, it might be going on an Alpha course or something like that, and there's one coming up actually in January, isn't there, John, in Pouring Land again, yeah? And we'll be doing something here as well. So there'll be stuff after Christmas. Look out for that. Or maybe it's just sitting down with someone over a coffee and saying, right then, tell me about this Jesus chap. Then what's going on there? I don't get this. I want to know about that. But faithful friends, first and foremost, point us to Jesus. And again, the Apostle Paul, he does that throughout Colossians, through this whole letter, actually. That's kind of what he's doing. It's what we want to do here on Sundays as we gather. Just point people to Jesus. Second thing faithful friends do is this. They encourage our hearts. Again, Tony, getting up just now. What were the first words out of his mouth? <laughs> I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you. What a great heart. <laughs> that's the kind of heart we want, and that's the kind of heart we see there in these friends as well. Tychicus, or Tychicus, however you pronounce his name, in verse 8. Says that sending him to you, Paul says, that he may encourage your hearts. And then in verse 11 as well, he talks about Aristarchus and Mark. He says that they have been an encouragement to me. Encouragement is the action of bringing um, support, um, comfort, consolation, uh, a kind of word that someone needs to hear. 
Um, it might even be a correction sometimes. It says that, you know, faithful are the wounds of a friend, not someone who wants to get one over on you and just point something out and say, excuse me, do you know you're a bit like this? I know I'm not that. I don't need people who don't care about me to point these things out. But I'm deeply grateful for dear friends on the journey who will stand alongside and will say, actually, Toby, that was a bit sharp. Or the way that you're coming across there. I'm grateful for dear friends. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. And we need friends alongside us. There's a beautiful phrase. I heard it on the Connect course um, a while back that someone else said it who was doing the course. And I've just nicked it. And so if you're here and you hear it, thank you. I can't remember who said it. They said, all of us need people who are close enough to see it and close enough to say it. All of us need people in our lives that are close enough to see it, close enough to say it. We want encouragement of dear friends. Have you got people like that in your life? Have you got people like that? They encourage us. They come alongside us. That's what the word encouragement means. It it, it speaks of this coming alongside, coming beside someone, walking with them. And again, this week, I've been deeply grateful for people that have encouraged me. I got a lovely little message from Don a while back. Um, Sorry, Don, mate. (laughs) Um, Just a little message on WhatsApp. Beautiful encouragement. Really timely. And I know that's what it's like at Kings. People encourage one another. But let's keep leaning in to that. Think about this week. I mean, who here doesn't need any encouragement? Right. No one's put their hand up. Look around, people. Everyone in this room needs some encouragement. So we have an opportunity, don't we? We have an opportunity this week to think, how can I encourage them? How can I encourage them? Let's keep cultivating that such an important uh, value of who we are at King's. So faithful friends encourage our hearts. Faithful friends point us to Jesus. Faithful friends stick with us through suffering. If you go to 2 Corinthians, that's it. Um, Just flick back in your Bibles to there. And if you go to 2 Corinthians, this is another letter that the Apostle Paul wrote. And 2 Corinthians chapter 11, that's right, verse 24 there. Paul basically is talking to the Corinthians and he's talking about all the stuff he's been through, right? And just listen to some of this. He said, I really do need glasses. No, he didn't say that. (laughs) It's not that different translation. Um, He said, (laughs) he said, I've been through far more imprisonments. I've been beaten loads of times. I've been in danger from death. Five times I've been lashed with the 39 lashes. Three times I've been beaten with rods. I was stoned three times. Um, it's important to contextualize that. That's stones being thrown at him. Okay. He said, I've been shipwrecked a night and a day. I've been in the deep. In other words, in the sea. He's been shipwrecked. I mean, literally. He's been in frequent journeys in dangers from rivers, dangers from robbers, dangers from my countrymen, dangers from the Gentiles, the non-Jews, dangers in the city, dangers in the wilderness, dangers in the sea, dangers among the false brethren. I've been in labor and hardship through many sleepless nights in hunger and thirst, often without food, in the cold and exposure. If Paul asked you to come on a trip, would you go? I mean, surely you'd think twice. (laughs) But here Paul is writing from prison and he's not on his own. He's with friends. They're on the floor with him. They're in the darkness with him. They're in the chains with him. This is the kind of friendship that we're called to with one another. 
Friends that suffer alongside one another, that walk with each other through the uncertainty. They didn't know they were going to get out. And yet his friends are there with him. Faithful friends walk with us through suffering. They suffer alongside us even. And they, they, they sacrifice their time and their energies to come alongside us in those moments. And in doing so, they are being like Jesus. The one who suffered for our benefit. That's the gospel of grace. And we're called to then stand alongside one another. I know there are difficult things people are going through in this room. Of course there are. It doesn't take a prophet to know that, does it? But I know there are. And it's as we stand together and we walk through these things, our friendships get deepened. This is so, so important that we suffer alongside. And I'm grateful for friends who stick with us through suffering and difficulty. I really am. But, number four, faithful friends sometimes fail us. I realise that didn't quite make sense in some ways, because if they're faithful, they wouldn't fail us. Um, <laughs> but you get what I'm saying. Sometimes those that we've been close with, actually, it goes wrong. We get hurt. Um, I know I've not been a perfect friend myself. I know I've failed as a friend. But I've also had those who have failed me. In the, over the years. Not many, thankfully. But it's happened. And I know what it's like. And there's two names that come out here. The first one is Mark. It talks about in verse 10, Barnabas' cousin Mark. And Barnabas was known as the son of encouragement. And he'd opened a door to Paul, okay, who wrote this letter. He drew Paul in. He believed in Paul. When others doubted Paul, um, whether this Paul who, who'd, who'd become a Christian from, he was a Pharisee, he was, he was persecuting Christians. He becomes a Christ follower and people go, no, I don't trust that. He's been killing Christians, and now you're telling me that he's trustworthy. And it was Barnabas who stepped into that gap and bridged it. He introduced Paul to other leaders. And you can read about that in Acts chapter 9. And yet, in Acts chapter 15, it says he had a sharp disagreement, a falling out with Barnabas, and it was over Mark. Because Mark had deserted them on other journeys, didn't come through, and Paul was like, no, I don't want to take Mark anymore. And it says they had a sharp disagreement. That isn't like a little, oh, I don't think we agree. I think it's conveying something. Actually, this was quite an argument. Quite a falling out in some ways. And it's there for a reason. Sometimes friends don't come through for us. Sometimes we separate ways. Um, and by the way, Colossians was written in about AD 49. But this is, um, sorry, they separated ways in about AD 49. Colossians was written about AD 61. So clearly in this 12-year period, something happened to bring them back together again, Mark and Paul. And he says elsewhere that bring, uh, Mark's useful for, to me. So they reconciled, but they did fall out. And then he mentions another name here as well in verse 14. He mentions this chap, Demas. He says, Luke, the beloved physician who wrote Luke's gospel, sends you his greeting as does Demas. And if you go to 2 Timothy uh, 4 verse 9, this is probably about three or four years, maybe, after Colossians was written. Okay, so he's just mentioned Demas. Uh, he's with him. And he says this in what, 2 Timothy 4, 9 to 11. He says, Make every effort to come to me soon, Timothy, because Demas, having loved this present world, has deserted me. The Bible's all linked, yeah? It all ties in. All these letters, they all tie in. Demas deserted me. He was with him, and then he deserted him. 
And then he says, only Luke is with me. Now pick up Mark, bring him with you, for he's useful to me for service. Again, they've reconciled, they've come back together. One is complete separation. One has been reconciled. And we see that in Jesus as well. Jesus knew what it was to be betrayed by Judas. Totally betrayed him. Separated from him. So Jesus knows what it's like. Jesus also knows what it's like to have deep friends, dear friends that fail him as well. Peter was the prime example of that, who totally failed him, denied him. And yet there's that beautiful picture at the end of John's Gospel, this coming back together again, as Jesus reinstates Peter to to his call and sets him back on his feet again. It's a beautiful thing. Sometimes friends fall out, sometimes they fail us. What do we do when we do that, and what do we do when it happens to us? Just briefly, four Gs, go after reconciliation with the person. You want a scripture for that? Matthew chapter 18, 15 to 19. If you have had a disagreement, if you are falling out with someone, go after them. Read that passage in Matthew 18, 15 to 17. It's important as Christians we keep applying this into our lives and into our community life together. But go after them. Extend grace. That's the second G. Think the best of people. When they get something wrong, say something wrong. Um, I don't know, forget something. Let's keep thinking the best of one another in those situations and hold grace out. Don't hold things against the people in that process of reconciliation. Sometimes, though, the fourth, third G is this, is grieve. Grieve the loss. Actually, if there has been a break in friendship that hasn't come back together again, it is painful. Don't just skim over it and just kind of go, oh, well, I'll just rock on. It's really important that we pause and we lament and we grieve and we, and we stand before God and say, that was painful, that was hard. But in that process, always be guarding your heart. The Bible says, don't allow a spring of bitterness, a root of bitterness to spring up in our hearts. When, some, when we've been hurt, that little phrase we've used millions of times here, hurt people, hurt people. It's so important that we allow the grace of God to saturate our lives in such a way that we guard our hearts and don't hold things, even against those that have failed us. So go, extend grace, grieve the loss, and guard your heart. And then faithful friends, pray for us. I won't stick on this too long, but verse 12 to 13, he talks about um, that Epaphras, is it there? Um, let me, uh, verse 13. Yeah, where are we? Da, 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 da. Always laboring earnestly. Epaphras, there we go, verse 12. Um, Epaphras, it says that he had out of this deep concern he had for them, it says he was one of their own, He prayed earnestly. I mean, again, the the language here isn't... It's heartfelt praying. It really is. And I thought to myself, well, why is he responding like that to them? And I thought, well, I think there's something about the closeness of relationship that leads to that heartfelt wrestling in prayer for them. It says that he was one of them, of the Colossians. And so he knew people there. He knew them. And so there is something about that, I think, that heart connection that we have with one another that leads to deep praying for one another. And again, if you want to grow in prayer, a couple of recommendations. Um, Beginning of Praying Life, that's a little short version of the book, A Praying Life. So if you want a really thin version of it, um, that's brilliant. Beginning of Praying Life, brilliant. But also Marcus has written an excellent book. Um, It's on the back, it's all over there, Designed for Drama. Discovering a Fresh Passion for Prayer. It's superb. I'm not just saying that. He didn't ask me to say that, and I'm not on commission. Although I should be. <laughs> but genuinely, um, can I do a goff here? No. <laughs> and lessen the price. I'm not going to do that. 
but I really recommend, read this, it's superb. Get hold of it, go through it in your life groups or something like that. But freshen your life on prayer, those books will really help you to do that. Um, and finally, so what we had so far, faithful friends point us to Jesus, faithful friends encourage our hearts, faithful friends stick with us through suffering, faithful friends sometimes fail us, sadly. Faithful friends pray for us, and faithful friends remind us of our call and they provoke us to persevere. In verse 18, it says that there. He says, and say to Archippus, I love this kind of last thought of Paul's. It's like he's finishing off his letter, and this, this, this chap Archippus pops into his mind. He's like, ah, oh, Archippus, just remind him to kind of keep going. Don't give up. Fulfill what God's called him to do. I think that sort of encouraging heart of Paul just kind of spills over in the different ones that he knows. And he wanted to encourage this dear man, keep going. Fulfill it. Don't give up. And that's the heart of an encourager, isn't it? And again, Jesus does that with Peter in Peter's failure. He comes to Peter and he says, come on, boy, back on your feet. It's not quite like that. That's my translation. <laughs> that's essentially what he says. He restores him. He says, do you love me? Feed my sheep. Get your focus again. Fix your eyes back on me again. And I want to encourage you, if you're here this morning and you are having one of those moments, because, boy, if I asked hands to go up, who feels like giving up sometimes? I reckon there'd be quite a few. Mine would go up. Of course we do. Of course we do. And we need faithful friends around us who will stick with us, stand with us, and encourage our hearts. And if you're feeling like, I want to encourage you, don't give up. Press on with God. Get around people that care for you. And again, this week I've experienced that. I've experienced those who have really encouraged me, really encouraged me this week, and I'm deeply grateful for them. There's lots there, hopefully, that we can just maybe take one or two things away. Think, how am I going to live this out this week? How am I going to apply it in life groups and maybe running partners and throughout the week? And I'd encourage you as we sort of, we're going to sing a final song now. And Kevin, band, do you want to come back up? I just want to encourage you to be thinking, okay, Lord, well, what does it mean for me to be a faithful friend? What does it mean for me to live that way and keep pressing into that as I know you do? The substance and health of a local church will be determined by the substance and the health of our deep friendships with God, because of the gospel, and with one another. Shall we stand, please? I'm just going to pray for us. And... Father, I really am grateful for dear friends. And I just imagine Paul at the end of this letter as he starts to think about people, these 11 names that just pop into his head, vastly different people from different backgrounds and uh, different walks of life, different experiences, different cultures, and yet together. And I pray, Father, that you would Keep working in the church here at King's, Lord, and helping us all to grow in what it means to be more like you, Jesus, the ultimate faithful friend who laid down his life for us, for our benefit, Lord. Help us keep fixing our eyes on you and being faithful friends to one another as we run the race that you've called us to together. Amen. <laughs>